0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. Welcome back to the show. It's Linz and Krista. Thank you for being here. If you're new to the show, this thing was born during our Saturn return. It was a wild time. Maybe some of you are going through it where, yeah, you're almost 30 and just feeling all the feels. What do I do? What do I What's my purpose? Who should I be with? Who am I? And we just created the show to support you. You don't have to be 30. It's all good. You can be good, well baby. onto your 40s like us. When Spirit Daughter... <laughs> old hags. Our
1: friend, Jill Winterstein for camp, she posted on her Instagram about speaking at camp. So we had an event that we do every six months to celebrate opening up our membership. And Jill Winterstein of Spirit Daughter spoke. She's an astrologer. She's incredible. Mm-hmm. She's huge. And she did a static post and people were like, I'm almost 40. Can I come? Like people thought they couldn't come to camp because of their age.
0: I know. And then Krista went to our Instagram bio and said,
1: you don't have to be 30. I put in our bio. I was like, you don't need to be 30. And I had to respond to all of them. I'm like, no, we're, you're invited still. I like, had to take all my, and I felt bad for Jill because Jill's like, God, what's just, what's, what's the deal? But it's funny because I forgot about that, you know, where people would think that. I know. We
0: didn't think about it at all. Definitely
1: didn't (laughs) didn't think about it at all, which is
0: hilarious. So I'm in LA with Krista. If you're new, I currently live in New York. Krista lives in LA and we come together almost every month and record and do all these fun things. And it's been funny. I've been going to bed here around like eight, like very early, just getting in bed and like Mm -hmm. settling the heck down And I'm learning things about myself where I'm like, okay, I want to watch something. I have a desire to watch something, but I'm not really sure what I want to watch. I literally found, randomly found this documentary. It's called My Name is Salt. And there is barely any words. And it is this family in India who travels to the desert once a year to basically, I don't know what you call it because they don't use words, but you like harvest salt. Wow. And it is this whole Drawn out, very complicated, crazy process, but it is, it's like ASMR and beauty in one in this documentary. So there's like these sounds, these textures, beautiful like visuals and landscapes, like very intimate with these people, but no one's really talking. You don't understand because they're speaking another language other than English. And it's just, it is the most soothing. Beautiful thing I've ever seen, but I'm like, this is kind of what I need. Yes. At the end of a day. Yes. And so I'm going to be very picky moving forward because there's just sometimes yes. when you like watch some like, dude, you know, season three Game of o- Thrones overstimulating.
1: Ending. I can't even. I, I, you guys, I, I can't
0: believe you're watching it. Right? You guys,
1: I'm trying to watch Game of Thrones because everyone's like, oh, winter's coming. This is dope. Oh, winter's coming. You, oh, I love the story. And so I'm trying to watch season three. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm going to spoil it. So, skip if you're watching it, skip now. <laughs> they literally murdered like 30 people in the room. It was a wedding. And then they slit everyone's throats that you love. All the characters that you love literally got their throats slit. I was literally, I was like, I'm out. I'm out. I'm done. (laughs) How do you
0: continue a TV show when all the main characters die?
1: And everyone you like. Everyone you like is like getting, it's so, it's like abuse. Everyone you like is like, is totally, I'm like, I want, I want a happy ending. Yeah,
0: I know. I don't want. It it is rare that you're watching something these days and there's like a, (sighs)
1: 100%. Uh,
0: Ted Lasso. I want. That's the only. I
1: want the small guy to win. And you're just like, why so gruesome? I know. So gruesome. I know. And everyone's like, I don't Everyone's like, oh, what's going on with mental health everywhere? And everyone's like watching 30 throats get slit. And then they're like,
0: night. They're like, yay, Squid Games is new. Oh, yeah. yeah literally. Dude, yeah. They're you like, wonder Squid wonder Games why. is sick. They're like, you're just got like 50 people get annihilated. There's this other one about like the end of the world. I, all I don't them, even all know. Of them. End of world. Doom or, and or it's almost taking, you know, Kind of reality, what might be going on now, but then cranking it up yep. 85 notches and being like, ah, and it's just 100%. Yeah.
1: It's actually heartbreaking. I was looking at Netflix, uh, just like all the things, and most are doom and gloom. I know. Black Mirror, Euphoria, like Squid Games, even Tiger King was interesting, but the dark animal stuff, I, I couldn't, know, I couldn't do. I know. Anything with animals, I can't do. Even if it's like a fake, literally a dragon. Like on the show, Game of Thrones, like they almost did something to a dragon and I was unwell. (laughs) It was a CGI character. (laughs) Justin's like, that's literal CGI dragon. (laughs) I was like, I know it hurts though. (laughs) Like it's too,
0: (laughs) too much.
1: And everyone's like, just hold on. You can do like, I don't, I'm like, I don't know if I want to hold on. Who's telling you this? People, they're like, it's a good story. (laughs) They're like, you'll have some losses, but you have some wins too.
0: With it. You have like your peanut gallery. You're I like, do. I can't
1: do it anymore. They're, <laughs> They're like, like, hold on. <laughs> They're
0: like, you can do it. Keep
1: going. But th- it is interesting because to- a little bit of the story, dude, lots of sex too.
0: Lots uh, of pain, peen.
1: peen. I, I, you see some pain, which is crazy. I know.
0: What level of like, and is I that 17
1: No, I don't know. I don't know yeah, how yeah, it's yeah. on TV. I become 12 when people do are Do you see balls or just TV. peen? You see them both. Both, okay. I'm like me and Justin both go In an hour. <laughs> yeah, dude. Honestly, we're both 33 years old, and we're like, <laughs> oh, people are like, "Have you watched Sex Life?" I'm like, "No,
0: I can't no. do that." I don't mind it, but it's like it—it it just depends on like some of it's like just tits for tits. Egregious, factual. Egregious. Factual. I'm like, egregious mm. is my new favorite word because of Game of Thrones. I'm like,
1: what's the word for this? Egregious. This is all <laughs> egregious. <laughs> It's completely and there's mad tits.
0: Yeah, mad.
1: Yeah. I, there was the last scene. It was like a, a a warrior comes up, and he's like, "I'm gonna prove how strong he is," and he cuts his nipple off. <laughs> it was like, why <laughs> can't you just be like, "This is a strong army"? <laughs> like, it's like,
0: what? <laughs> Imagine writing the show, dude. I literally thought that they're like, Dave, you you wrote in the nipple cut off. Yes. I didn't think you'd do it. Yes, we did it. How dark? So I do. Weird. It is
1: interesting being realizing now that so much of our work is like channeled in a way, you know, when we're sometimes in the flow or, you know, there are moments of it. It's not like all the time. But when you think about like books and movies and stuff, you're like, damn, that came from another place. Mm -hmm. You know, like Harry Potter or something. Oh, yeah. Or Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. You're like, that came from someplace else. Mm -hmm. How did you
0: come up with that? Are there any like really good positive ones that came from someplace else? Avatar? Oh, yeah. You think? I don't know. We tried to watch that on the plane. I was like, "This Eh? is so
1: lame." (laughs) I just just remember, like, I ascended
0: past. Everyone's
1: like, everyone's like, "Oh wow, the (laughs) graphics!" No, you're just like, "This is too long." Everything's too long. Thirty minutes, dude. Two and a half hours. Like, no, my ass hurts. (laughs) (laughs) That was like a dinner. We were at dinner. It was a long dinner. Yeah, that was. a I paid the. I paid the entire bill. On our company card. Because <laughs> I because I wanted to leave so bad. I was like, it's on us. Don't worry, guys. It's on us. We should wrap it up. This is what
0: happens with Krista. She hits a point where she's done. Done. And it's so funny because I know her so well. I just see it shut off. I'm like, uh-oh, she's gonna do Dude, some go wild and down. crazy shit. Go, yeah. <laughs> she's legit. gonna knock into a wall. She's gonna like <laughs> I'm
1: gonna be I'm gonna say something really, really weird. <laughs> Or I just get cold, like it's like I'm like, oh my god, ah, ah. and then I'm I like, know.
0: <laughs> literally, I know what happens, and then I take her by the arm, and I'm like, we're going now.
1: Yeah, you're just like, I've got to take her home because I just once I'm done, I'm so
0: done. Sean's actually very similar. It's it's I'm actually sure. quite funny. He'll he'll literally just be like. We're going. And I'm like, what? Yes. We're in mid-conversation. Yes. I Just the energy is like done. And I'm like, it's time to go. It's it's time for us to wrap it up. Oh. Plus, like sometimes
1: a dinner for four hours, you're like, I don't want to. I can't.
0: I know. It depends. Sometimes a four-hour dinner goes by yeah, like that's that. that's true. But uh, yeah. Otherwise, I'm like, what are we doing? I
1: have to be in comfortable clothes.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: because right after I eat, I'm like, all right, time to rip mm-hmm. this off.
0: Time to get some steps.
1: Time to— get my sweatpants on. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Trying to put my hair up and get my sweatpants on. Uh,
0: well, today's episode, I'm excited. Yeah, I, Rosie. I was kind of sad. I, I wasn't hanging with Rose when she yes. was here. You got to interview Rosie Acosta. Yeah, you were missed. So we did this
1: up a few weeks ago. Lindsay wasn't here yet, but I got to sit down with Rosie and I had the best time. We went over to her house a few months prior yeah. and mm-hmm. were able to connect with her, but I just find her to be Intoxicatingly real. I know. And I'm just like,
0: how, how does she do it? Dude,
1: I don't know how. I enjoy So we I interviewed know. this. I think we went for, I think we went for a long time, maybe an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And then we talked for, speaking of four hour dinner, we talked for like three and a half hours after. We just so chilled crazy. and fucking went in on everything. And it was just incredible. So she wrote a book that is now out, which is so exciting for her. I know she's been working on this for a really, really long time. I know it's been something that's been, you know, on her heart for a while. And she's been in the space forever. Mm-hmm. So she's been in the space as a leader for a really long time. And it was always one of those things that she was like, okay, maybe I'll write it later. You know, kind of had it started, deleted it, and now is coming out with her story and all mm-hmm. the practices and principles that she's really used and leveraged to get to where she is. And we spent time on that. But I think most of the conversation was like a really real check-in on the spirituality space, on where we're at in our lives, on what's meaningful to us. She had a dog pass away. We Mm -hmm. talked a little bit about her dog's death and kind of just went in on that conversation. We talked just as girlfriends. So this will feel like we're going to go in a few different places, but like this would be a conversation that we would have off the air. And I always love sharing these type of things. So you can really hear insight into what she's really like, what I'm really like, and what we really
0: think. Yeah. What I love, I love a lot of things about Rosie, but I just love how her story really informs the work that she does. It really anchors her. Because I think sometimes if you are in this space, right, yep. you can fly off... To Mars and lose the plot of it all. Yes. (laughs) And I really think she has lived so much life and seen so many things, especially living here in LA and during the riots. And I think that brings in a relationship with her own evolution that I think informs how she's able to connect with so many people in theirs. And I'm so excited for her book. I feel like this is perfect timing. It's called You Are Radically Loved. Beautiful.
1: Yeah. It's a really beautiful cover and you can all get it now. She's at Rosie Acosta on Instagram. She has her own podcast, You Are Radically Loved. We actually talked about what the meaning of radically loved is too. So we kind of went in on that, but this goes all over. I know you'll love it. We laughed, you know, Mm -hmm. we got deep and we just spoke some realness. So again, it's Rosie Acosta on Instagram. You can get her book, You Are Radically Loved, which is out now. And she has the Radically Loved podcast.
0: Thank you all so much for listening. And if this episode or any other episode resonated with you, I highly recommend sending it to a friend. It's always a really good conversation starter. I've sent episodes of podcasts to friends and it's just helped us to learn more about each other. So little tidbit, but make sure you're subscribed so every new podcast comes to your inbox. If you want to learn more about Almost 30, go to almost30.com. We have courses and programs. Krista has a new program coming out very soon. Enrollment is open right now for my Sacredness of Being Single program for a few more days. So you can check out all on the website, almost30.com.
1: We love you guys. We'll see you soon. When you find out in our industry like that no one really writes their own book, it's kind of like... Oh, dude.
2: Dude. That is literally one of the most demoralizing things I've ever heard. And I know know. it's true. We've talked about this, I think. It's gutting. There's so much.
1: People don't write them and then they rig the New York Times bestseller list. And then it's like... And then they get you get the title of New York Times bestseller and it's like, then you've achieved the goal. Right. <laughs> I've said too with like writing a book, because we have we have our management, we've talked about it before and stuff. And I'm like, for some reason, I feel resistant to it because I feel like everyone seeks to do it. And it's a standard goal in our industry to have a New York Times bestseller. And everyone then buys someone to write it and then rigs the system. Yeah. And it's kind of like, Okay.
2: So what about that bothers you?
1: What makes me resistant to it is it's like, I don't want to do a thing that everyone else does and I won't rig it. So I feel like I won't be successful
2: because I'm not rigging it. Yeah, because you're going to do it the right, the honest yes. way.
1: And we would write it. Like I yeah. I would write it. And of it's course. fine, whatever. If people are right get people to write their books, it's fine. But it's like, also, I think another thing is too, and I'm curious of, for you, like I... Focusing on one thing at a time is hard.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When you run a company, I've realized you're kind of in the mode of being responsive, directive, decision-making, but to like have a lot of hours to sit down to focus on one thing and really,
2: dude, that's fucking hard. Yeah.
1: It's like a whole, that's a whole skill set.
2: It's a discipline. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's also a discipline to run a business. Yeah, You know. True. So it's just, a, it's actually, it's the same it's the same like qualities that you need to write a book. Mm-hmm. It's just you have the skill set, it's just changing the skill, redirecting the energy. Yeah. To something else. But it's the same. I don't you know? think so. I don't think deep work and focus is
1: the same. Cause it's like if you think about well, I think personally for the way that I work, it's like I'm in Slack, I'm responding, I'm saying things, I'm responding, I'm responding to emails, I'm sending emails whatever and doing store, you know, all the stuff that we do. And I'm like, that's not deep work. When I actually have to sit down and do deep work, it's like feels it feels like
2: yeah, it's kind of hard. Yeah. Especially the book, you're kind of like opening up the channel. (laughs) Okay. In the energetic respect, because yes, you do have to enter into a different channel to be able to go into a space of depth. If you're wanting to do quality work, which you do. You personally, I know you, you do. So you have to go into this really deep space where you can then excavate this this message. And you have to feel safe and you have to feel secure and you have to feel like you have the, the actual space to be able to do it. So I think that's why you're saying it, it is a difficult thing to try and do because it's like you're going into a different world and now... I think that for me, the process was really interesting because I am doing the podcast. I'm also responding to emails. I'm doing all—I've got students. I've got workshops. I'm trying to organize. But then I also have to, at 4 a.m., wake up and start and write and go into this space. And then it's weird because you don't really clock out, right? Right. Even if you set a schedule, this whole like, oh, set a schedule every day and write and do your thing. And that's very romantic. And I think that it serves some people. But I think more along the lines of how you or I would go into projects like this energetically, I think you have to just create the space to be able to be in it as long as you want to be and let it take whatever form it has to take. Because... There was a a particular chapter that was very difficult to write, and even I mean, really the whole book was not the whole book, but the beginning and the end were really difficult because when I was teaching and doing my thing, like I didn't talk about my personal experience. I didn't think it was important. I didn't think it was noteworthy. I'm like, oh, who who cares that I grew up in East LA during that late right? It's like that's not a big deal, you know. Everybody grows up like that. <laughs> Everybody grows up with some sort of trauma, which is true, you know. But I think that in writing the book, the whole idea behind it was like, I wanted to take the reader and my students through this this journey. You know, I wanted to take them through this journey and you don't realize how avoidant you are to things that have traumatized you until you have to write about them. Or unless you're doing deep work. But then you're intentionally going in for the purpose of healing, right? For the purpose of, I'm going into this this part of my life that is unsavory for the reason of healing it. And, And it is cathartic to write about it. And I can't tell you what it's gonna be like when people read it because I don't know, I don't know yet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have no idea what it's gonna be like, but I hope that it will serve people and, and that's always that to me is the big rub when I know that there are people that rig the system. That's what bothers me, you know, because it's like you can afford to pay to play. You know, like, that's cool. Like, yeah, you want to rig the system. You want to go spend $300,000 on your book and keep it in a storage unit. Totally fine. Go for it. Do it. That's, That's the way that things are done. But I'm like a rebel, you know, like I was like a punk rock kid. So for me, I want my work to be good, you know, because there is that saying, cream always rises to the top. It just does it doesn't matter. So for me, it's like, it's running a marathon, not a sprint, right? It's like, if my work is good, it will rise to the top. Yeah. And I feel like with book writing too,
1: it's like, if you have someone else writing it, because I've, when I've done things and say a copywriter's done something for us or someone else like has done something and it's, you know, an email that says my name, but it's like written by our copywriter or something who's amazing. But it's like, I don't, you don't get the feeling. Like you don't really get the feeling of like the satisfaction. Yeah. And I was like, oh, if we did had someone write a book for us and it did do well, I wouldn't actually feel satisfied. And you know this, and I know this, like when you see someone talking about something and it's actually not like integrated or known from a cellular level, you can fucking tell, dude.
2: Dude, you can see it. You can spot you can that shit a mile spot. away.
1: We've had interviews where I've noticed <laughs> that they don't really have the direct answer because it wasn't necessarily like fully lived and integrated. And there's yeah. like a magnetic quality of it really being truthful to you and it yeah. really being your voice and your story.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the, you, I mean, this is something that you and Lindsay talk about all the time is that your ability to be honest, to be authentic, mm-hmm. to just be able to, share an honest truth about something. The truth lands differently. It doesn't matter how you slice it. It's just going to land differently. Mm -hmm. It has a different— It has a gravitas to
1: it. Yes, it It really does. You can see it on people's Instagram lives. You can see it on their stories. You can hear it on podcasts. You can see it in books. It's like there's something that happens that puts you into focus. It puts whatever's happening into focus— and I notice that when I'm speaking, if I'm speaking about something that's really integrated and really truthful and really raw, I know that people can't take their eyes off of me. And I've seen it with other people where I'm like, holy fuck. Yeah, You're like, what's happening? You know, people know. And so for you in this process, I guess what when we're talking about writing the book and, and going through your story, and I think this is really relevant for everyone listening, when we think about our own journey and our own story, and I haven't really thought about my life story and my journey until I got older, until we kind of got mm-hmm. into this this arena and space, but it is important and kind of an offering or an invitation for people to really think through their life journey and their life story and just be really mindful of, of it in like a serious way of how it's impacted you. But what was the hardest
2: chapter for you to write? I think the hardest chapter was probably chapter... 11. And it's a chapter that's really rooted on loss and grief and dealing with impermanence. And the reason why it was so hard is because I was grappling with, okay, well, what was my first experience with loss? Like true loss. Like I mean, I've seen death. Like I saw death at a young age. I saw what that looked like when I was Too young. Again, being in an environment where there was like drive-by shootings and things like this, so it was really intense. But it wasn't. But that wasn't what was difficult about writing about it. It was like when was the first experience I had with loss? Like when did I lose somebody or something that Mm. felt like I was changed? I was. I was not the same. And so it was writing. That chapter and the stories in that chapter were, yeah, it was very raw. It was like I, I would say that it was probably the the most real, truest, rawest form of of me in that. Where it's like, you know, you write something or you say something mm-hmm. that's very real, and you feel like, like, mm-hmm. do I really do I really want everybody to hear this? Do I really want everybody to to know this? And like I said earlier, it's really, I mean, like I can even recoil in my body just feeling like, wow, like that it was a very difficult moment in time writing that chapter because I was also dealing with a real life loss at that time. So it was like a weird, like it was, was it weird? It was not because I'm like, no, it wasn't weird. It was exactly how it was meant to be. The fact that the morning I wrote that chapter, I was writing that chapter. I knew it was going to be a heavy chapter to write. And everything just felt different. I woke up in the morning. I had this routine of waking up at 4.30 a.m. Why
0: 4.30? It's it like a <laughs> right, hustle
2: club. God, yeah, right. Yeah, you're like on Instagram. Why you're, like, are if you you're not up it? at 4.30, you're missing you out. You don't want
1: it.
2: <laughs> you don't really well, want well, it. Well, to me, it's like I— it's such a magical time of, I love mornings. I'm like a morning person. I am too, dude. So for me, I'm like, I want to be up before that's the That's night sun. though, honey. That's nighttime, well, baby. Well, it is. <laughs> I think morning. <laughs> but, and it, look, it's not, I'm not, I ain't saying that's every day. Mm-hmm. I said while I was writing the book. Okay. I was waking up at this time. That has since shifted back to normal but at that time like i was waking up extra early because i didn't want i didn't want to be bothered i didn't want to have to make breakfast for anybody i didn't i wanted to just be in my zone you know and in la like la has this energy i cannot understand you more and you've said nothing <laughs> i literally cannot understand you more <laughs> And it almost feels like when it's night or when it's dark, like that, especially that time. It's like the crazies are getting tired. They're wanting to go to bed. And like the people that are sane are like in that deep REM sleep. There's like a softness to the frenetic energy. The static is gone. And so that's why I chose that time. I'm like, this is the time. Get up, do your thing. So that morning, I got up and it just felt, and I don't know if it was in my mind, you know, when you know you're going to go do some deep work or you're going on a retreat or gonna you, you're already mentally preparing yes. yourself. You're like, okay, I'm going to go in. Yes, There's I usually just,
1: get depressed like pre.
2: Do you really? Yeah, I kind
1: of start to feel it. Like I
2: start to feel it before and I'm like, oh, fuck. What, how do you deal with that? What do you do? Like, do you just let it play out? Like the, the low feeling? Now that I
1: know, it, now that I understand, it's a little bit like time traveling. Like I'm kind of like time traveling a little bit and it's a little like intuitive Preparation. Now I understand what it is, so I can kind of be with it and be okay. like, "Oh wow, this is interesting." And now I'm grateful because it spreads it out instead of like an intensity of time where it's like one fucking big moment. But now, but now I'm grateful. Now I'm like, I'm such a baller that I can predict, yeah. and so I can kind of navigate.
2: But I mean, continue. well, that's good. No, that's good. You're you're taking agency yes. of it. Yeah, I love that. Well, so it w- I woke up that morning having that. Preconceived yes. that premonition of this is going to be really difficult, and I started writing, and I I took a break, and we ended up having a really without going too deep into the story, we had a really tragic accident with one of one of our our dogs, and we essentially we we lost one of our animals to the heavens, and. I was in the middle of this deadline, this deadline the deadline for this chapter was due the following day. So I had I, I had no choice. I had to sit there and write this chapter about grief and loss with takeaways and a silver lining when I was feeling like what the fuck just happened? Like what happened? How what what just happened? You know, really feeling like integrated into this experience. The first, the first loss I experienced was my two best friends from childhood. They died during El Nino storm in on the San Gabriel. Well, it's the LA River in the Wash. They had ditched school, and we we always ditched school. We're in high school. Yeah. It was it was like freshman freshman year, and we were going to separate high schools. So we would still walk together. To the bus to take the bus to school. We would take separate buses, but we we would always walk together in the morning. And that was the first time I'd ever, ever experienced losing two people that I grew up with that were my best friends that were just such a staple in my life. And then all of a sudden, one day they're there and then the next day they're not. You know, And then the world just keeps turning. Mm-hmm. And it's like, my deadline is still the following day. And people just continue up on their lives. So so I think that chapter was really sort of metaphorical to really the theme of the book, you know, about impermanence, about connection, about radical love, about radical support, you know, and, and all of those different different themes.
1: Yeah. And it's the I mean, losing an animal, i don't I can't even. It's like I can't even. Sometimes stuff I can't think about it for too long because I'll start crying. Yeah, yeah. No, I. I know. You. I'm like, oh great. I'm.
2: <laughs> I'm like, oh great. Next. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, <laughs> let's go. I know. That's why I'm like yeah, trying to not talk about it right I'm now like, I'm like,
1: I will start crying will right now. Yeah. I was just in our bathroom with our cats, and I was like, "You are my baby, my little baby." I'm like singing this song to them, and I'm like, "Yo, lady, you need." Help, like all these songs, I'm like, you are my best friend. Like it's so <laughs> embarrassing. I cannot with animals. It is, oh, it is too much for me.
2: Yeah, Absolutely. tell me why. Tell me why for you. Because you cannot, know, there's people that don't. I feel cannot. this way.
1: I don't know what's wrong with them. Something happened for me. I've always been animals forever and ever. Amen. But something happened when when I got our cats, where I'm like, yo. It's true. Well, I love Eckhart Tolle says, he calls them guardians of being. And there's just a power and presence that they have where they always bring you back to the present moment. Mm -hmm. No matter what you're doing, they're always like here, 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 here. And it's that invitation to be here. And it's just that like committed, open love and that purity that they always bring where I'm just like, damn, we are not doing right by you. So often with (sighs) animals, I'm like, we are not doing right by you. And it's such a good It is such a thing that makes me love so much, but feel so much shame because I just feel like they are sometimes are the victims of our unconscious. Yeah. You know, they receive the unconscious that we bring to the world and it's just so heartbreaking. But I wanted to say about when you were talking about your chapters on grief. And I think this is really relatable for a lot of people where it is like, I'm in process and I'm having to to be silver lining with the bow tied up. Yeah. I'm having to, and I feel like I rush my healing where I'm like, what is the learning? What is the, <laughs> what is the lesson? Yeah. What is the lesson? Like, and I actually don't, I am actually don't allow myself to be in process. Mm. So what did you do that day to allow yourself to be in process, but also finish the chapter and how did it affect your writing?
2: Oh man, that's such a great, such a great question. I let myself just cry on my keyboard. Yeah. I took it's kind of sexy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel kind of like, like it a it cool is. moment. I wish I would have had a little time lapse on yes. this. Like very, it feels like it would have been a very cool music video montage. You know what I mean? <laughs> like we should have a yes. little documentary. You're um, like,
1: how can I make content from this? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, babe, just let yourself be
2: in process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just what so can allow yourself to just be human for mm-hmm. a second. Yeah, I just, I, I, I think the only difference I did between this chapter and everything else was that I just I didn't question myself. Wow. I just said it's done. Wow. Like, that's that's it. And and to this day there were maybe one or two tiny grammatical edits that were made. Everything else is there intact. Wow. Yeah. Wow. The only chapter in the entire book. Wow. So the way it changed my writing process was I got to have an experience of what it's like to accept your work and not question it. Wow. Yeah.
1: Because that's when it's like so divinely guided and true. And and I think about that even with people that are in relationships and are going through a breakup process. People are divorcing oh, yeah. and breaking up. I'm like, I kind of sometimes I'm like, damn, there's such a magnetism to that mm-hmm. when you're just fucking fully feeling, allowing yourself to feel. And in that real deep emotion and grief where it's overwhelming where you can't really be anywhere else there's such a power and beauty in that and for you to really channel that into your work is so powerful
0: we hope you're enjoying this conversation we're going to take a few moments to share brands with you that we love and who support this show I say this a lot to people that ask about my skin journey, healthy skin starts from the inside out. And so I've been sharing things that I have been eating and taking for healthy glowing skin. And I gotta tell you about peak Daily Radiance Elderberry Liposomal C. Okay, so this is for immune support and radiant skin. It has a thousand milligrams of vitamin C. What's so cool is that they use liposomal encapsulation technology. So, a lot of times, up to 50% of vitamin C from supplementation may pass through the digestive tract unabsorbed. And so, this liposomal encapsulation technology puts like this protective bubble around it, so it prevents oxidation and wastage, which means healthy skin, healthy aging and a healthy immune system. Plus it tastes so freaking good. It is made from the finest black European elderberries, which is an antioxidant all-star. So this helps protect scale cells against free radicals. I'm so excited for you to try this. This is unbelievable technology and your skin will love you for it. Okay. I need you to check out Peak. And of course, we have a discount code. So go to peaklife.com slash almost 30. That's P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E.com slash almost 30 for a limited time. Get 10% off plus free shipping and a free Peak Sampler pack with six of their best selling flavors. When you head over to peaklife.com slash almost 30, you'll get that 10% off free shipping and a free Peak Sampler pack. P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E dot com slash almost 30. When I was in LA recently and we were batching content, Krista and I were working, day and night, we were running on Rasa. And I'm normally someone who drinks coffee, I like caffeine, but I wanted to switch it out and see how I would feel. And I honestly was blown away. Krista's been on this for a while and I figured I'd try it. Rasa. Okay, this is an incredible brand. I'm so excited and proud to introduce you to. It's just such a heart-centered brand. Instead of caffeine, Rasa energizes from adaptogenic herbs and mushrooms. Uh, as you might know, adaptogens are most effective when consumed regularly and consistently, which means you're getting your daily dose of adaptogens while enjoying a beautiful morning ritual. Truly, all this is a ritual. Um, and it'll just set the tone for your day. And each blend is formulated to support your nervous system, help you stress less, give you balanced energy through the day and get better sleep, which, you know, we all can use. And there's so many different flavors and functions. So I'm going to give you some of my favorites. The cacao blend is so good. It is chocolatey. It is rich. There's a little spice to it that I absolutely love. Before bed, I have their calm blend. It has a generous 7,800 milligram of adaptogens per serving. Um, this is like a chill tonic. I love it. It has herbs like ashwagandha um, and is balanced with blue lotus. It has reishi um, and blue vervain for deep relaxation. And y'all, you can taste like the frequency of these ingredients. So I actually steep these in a um, coffee press, like a French coffee press. They Actually, have one on their website, and it is just so beautiful and rich. The last one I wanted to recommend is the Bold. So, this formulation has 9,700 milligrams of adaptogens per serving. Um, It's really great for your cognitive function and flow state. So, great when I really want to be creative and in my flow, um, but not giving you the jitters, you know what I mean? It has burdock, chicory, dandelion root, cacao. It has husha woo. It has lion's mane, shisandra extract, shilajit. It is packed and tasty. This is really for energy, but nothing that will create any jitters. So I'm excited for you. We are rasa.com. We are rasa.com. Use the promo code almost30 for 20% off. This is a huge discount. I would stock up. 20% off your first purchase when you go to w e r r a s WeAreRasa.com We are rasa.com. Promo code almost30 for 20% off.
1: Something I was thinking about this morning when I was getting ready and I was just thinking about you coming, I was like, wow. I think of you when I think of radical love. I think of radically loved. What is, for you, like what does radically love mean? What does radical love?
2: Yeah, I think radical love overall is just like an unwavering connection of undeniable support. Mm. It's like this deep, integration to the core, the essence of of who we are and who I am is who you are. Mm -hmm. It's that interconnectedness of how well could you do your job if everybody else was wasn't doing their job well, Mm -hmm. right? Like you couldn't do your job if everybody else wasn't doing their job, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's this tapestry of bound connection. Mm-hmm. That's when I think of radical love. I think heart. I think real. I think authentic. I think sincerity. I mm-hmm. think honesty. I think wisdom. I think it's all of it.
0: Yes.
1: You know? I didn't understand what radical love was until I got older. And when I really realized it's like, I feel like people are like, love you, love, love you. <laughs> oh my God. You <laughs> know, everyone like says that and it's like, yeah. but if you say something they don't like, you're like done. Yeah. Yeah. And there's just such a discrepancy between
2: conditional what, love yes. and actual Yes. Yeah. So this is a really interesting, it's a great topic to discuss because yes. it's subjective, yes. you know? Like let's get let's nuance it. Yeah, let's do let's get, <laughs> let's let's get, get, into get into in there. So I think that for us, our first experience with love is with our families, right? With our yes. parents. And if you grow up in a family where there is a parent or two parents that give you conditional love, meaning be good or I won't love you. Yes. Or get good grades. or I, And they're not saying I won't love you, but you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. That's what I experienced. Right? So it's this whole like um, recovering Catholic here speaking, right? Same. We've bonded on this before. Yes, baby. So be good mm-hmm. or you're going to go to hell. Hell. Yeah. Hell. Oh, sinner. You're going to say, oh no, you got to be good or you're not going to get loved. It's one or the other, you know. So I think that the whole idea of love really is a, love is a verb. I believe it's something that you do as well as something that you are. Mm -hmm. So when people say, love you, love it, and then the next minute it's like, oh, they're canceled? Like, unfollow. That's not love, right? That's not really love. You're acting out of whatever conditioning has happened in your psyche, in your childhood, And you're living it out now and you're perpetuating that same cycle to other people. Now, the whole idea, going back to the the nuance of it all, of how we relate to love. It's like, how do you relate to love? How do you relate to love? Like Krista, how does Krista relate to love? When was her first experience of somebody saying that somebody, anybody saying that they loved you? one second is the feeling of love when you actually felt and there's there's no nobody no big homie in the sky that's going to say yeah that's exactly what love was you have to discern that within yourself right so there's the somebody telling you somebody you experiencing it and then you giving that love to somebody else mm-hmm. So, what were those first impressions like in your life? How are you integrating that process into your life? You have to go back, you have to do some self-inquiry. My parents, my grandma, my little abuelita would like tell me that she loved me, you know. And they said the words, and then the feeling of love to me, the first time I experienced it. It's sitting at a dinner table with my family and feeling excited. Oh, everybody's eating. Oh, my goodness. Like, this is fun. I love to eat. I love food. Everybody around the dinner, that's a memory, right? It's a feeling. It's like, oh, I feel full. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is joy. I feel connected to this tribe, this unit that is here. And then the giving of love, even though when you're little and you're like, I love my doll, you know, like whatever it is, you know, the whatever it is that you love, I love my new, my new kicks, you know, mm-hmm. like whatever it is when you're a kid. Like I
1: love Justin Timberlake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: it's like all your, you know, your posters on the wall. Or even your first love.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like your first love. Mm-hmm. When was your first love? My first love was when I was.
1: F- 15.
2: 15. And what, like, how was, what was, what was that? Did you say you loved them or was it a feeling like what? I had said,
1: I had said, I love you to people before in relationship, but I didn't love someone and I didn't know what love was. Maybe, yeah, till 15 probably. And it was like, I remember the feeling of feeling like someone gets me and sees me and like, Yeah, man, it was fucking crazy. I was like, whoa. And I just felt so liberated in it. It was like very liberating. I was like, oh, this is like liberating that I felt like I had a partner and I felt like I wasn't alone anymore. And
2: connection. You felt connection. Yes. Uh You felt connection. Yes. When was the first time you felt conditional love. Oh my gosh,
1: probably this is so bad. There was someone in my <laughs> this is there's someone in my family that said when I was like younger they were like my greatest fear was that my kids would be fat.
2: Wow.
1: And I was like, "Whoa." Because that from I was like, "Whoa, this is conditional." And the condition is what you look like, what your body is like. I remember that when I was little. I was like, huh, what's sort of happening here? What's like sort of happening? And I think there's a lot of other moments of feeling that conditionality, you know, to certain things. And I've probably blacked a lot of them out, but I don't remember ever feeling unconditional love from my parents all the time. I do, I do feel like my in my paternal side i could feel that because i remember it was more of like an engagement where i would i noticed in the eyes you know when you're younger i noticed in the eyes i'm like oh, oh there's a there's that there's that look of like wow i love this being you know and i remember mm-hmm. that but i don't know yeah
2: yeah this is why we are where we are with relationships right because we think oh i find somebody i find somebody that i'm attracted to mm-hmm. And we go out and then we decide we want to get married and then we fall in love and then I tell them that I love them and then maybe we have kids, but then something disappears. Yes. And then all of a sudden it's gone. Yes. And then all of a sudden, oh well, now I have to get a divorce. Now I'm I'm just not happy. I'm just not happy. Well, love is such a nuanced thing. But if we want to bring it back to connection and support. Where's the first place where you would think we need to find that? We need to find it within ourselves, right? We need to, and we don't cultivate that when we're young. When we're young, everything is so disembodied, right? Everything's mm-hmm. so external. This brings me happiness. This brings me sadness. Happy, sad. Happy, sad. That That's what our life revolves around until we get older and it becomes a little bit more complex. Mm-hmm. We start to interact with other humans. We start to have interactions that feel like you accept me for me as long as I am playing my role in your bioepic, in your mind.
1: Yes. Yeah. I think that's huge for people. And I've even been playing with that idea, you know, internal family systems. Mm hmm. So it's in like psychotherapy. There's something called internal family systems. You've probably heard of of some of the terms in it, but they have parts and then the capital S yes. self. Yeah, I yeah. was like, I figured. So there's the capital S self. And I've been thinking about, you know, when my parts have been activated, when those trauma-created parts of me that protect me are activated. So say it's, if I'm in a situation and, I always felt like no one really cared about what I had to say or listened to me or thought I was interesting. And so there's that part of me that sort of is activated in certain situations when I don't feel like I'm I'm emotionally attuning with someone. So it's like, oh, they don't care about me. They're not listening to me, whatever. So I'm very much on emotional attunement. That's like so huge for me. And I'm like, oh, when have people like loved that part of me that has been protecting me by fully focusing on the other person in the situation? always asking them questions, always listening to them, never sharing about myself, never actually sharing true intimacy or feeling like I was valid enough. So people have actually in my life created relationships with that part of me that mm. completely deflects, avoids talking about myself, avoids talking about what I'm going on. And I'm like, what other parts of me have are people in relationship with? And how can I create actual relationships with that capital S self? You know, the, the true self. Yeah, And I don't, I know what it feels like to be in relationship with the true self. But I actually, it's like, sometimes feels like a moving target.
2: Yeah. You know, well, because we're multifaceted mm-hmm. human beings. We, we're different people to different people. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that when it starts to become an issue is when you start to go into this state of non-self-recognition. Mm-hmm. you get to this place where you've i don't want to say lied but you've kind of pretended for so long yes. that you just don't know which way is up and i think this is a big issue that this is a lot of this is a huge catalyst to what leads people to a spiritual path mm-hmm. that desire for expansion the desire for knowledge the desire to want to do something more you feel this innate dissatisfaction within yourself. And it happens in relationships a lot. So I want to tie it back into what you were saying earlier because it, it was so poignant what you were saying. Because we, if we don't practice radical honesty, who are we? Mm-hmm. Where are we then? And again, it's not to say you can't be those roles in those people's lives. It's just, are you keeping your North Star are you are you keeping the course to where you you need to be for your for your big s self? Mm-hmm. Not it's these little I don't call it, it's it's like they're almost like microaggressions to yourself, hundred mm-hmm. percent right. It's those when somebody says, "How are you doing, babe?" Mm-hmm. Like I'm fine, I'm yeah. good, yes. And it's like, are you though? But yeah, no, I'm 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 okay. That's a little lie. Mm-hmm. That's not really the truth, right? And unless you have friends like, like we do, where we could really just dive deep right in, in and just be like, all right, this is what's going on. This is what's really upsetting me. Yes. Like, this is how I'm really feeling. Most of the time, and it's not to say you can't be like that with all people. I think you can, but I think we're so conditioned to two things. Number one, feel like we don't matter. And number two, we don't think that people care. And sometimes maybe people don't care about how we, maybe they want to hear, I'm fine. Because they don't want the responsibility of like, oh, I'm asking you, I already asked you. So it serves no one. So then you have these like shallow relationships with people that aren't rooted in anything. And we desire rooting in deep things. Yeah. We're like little seedlings. We want to root deep into that planter. And if we don't, like, you know, we just, we're going to be unsatisfied and it's going to cause this discord in our life. And, you know, we all know that that doesn't serve anybody.
1: Yeah. It's interesting with radical honesty, because it's like, that was my theme, I think in 2019 for the year. But it's interesting because it's like, you think it's or I perceived it to be bigger than it was, where I was mm. like, I need to say yeah. <laughs> that I am what, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I need to tell the world, da-da-da-da, <laughs> about me. But it's actually the continuing of tiny things. Yes. Like you said, where it's like, how are you? And you're like, I'm not that good. You know, whatever. Or I'm, I'm really fucking good. Like, I actually feel fucking, whatever. Or it's even in relationship, and I think this is most important, whether it's me and Lindsay, or me and Justin, where you're like, hey, this isn't working for me right now or there's something that's coming up for me. You know, those tiny things where you have that truth coming up or that expression and normally it's stuffed down. Normally you're, you don't validate it. Normally you don't allow it to be. And how can you really be truthful and honest about maybe you don't want to go to that thing. Maybe you don't want to be friends with that person. Yeah. Maybe you don't want to be in your job. Maybe, but it's also, maybe you don't want to go get Chinese for dinner and you want fucking Thai. You know, it can be super small and it's like, we can start small with the practices of the radical honesty and then build up confidence to get to the point where you're like, actually, I fucking hate my job
2: yeah, or I hate
1: whatever. You know, like start with the small truths and then work your way up.
2: Yes. Oh, I love that. It's so true. And and it is like one of those things that if you don't do it, it's death by a thousand paper cuts, Mm -hmm. right? If you're not doing the little things over time, they're going to expand. And there's also a spectrum between being honest or radical honesty or just being honest in general and compromise, right? Because if I get really good at being honest all the time, that can sometimes be a little bit intoxicating and then I'm not really caring about what your honesty has to say. Then it's just like, I'm expressing my truth, and my truth somehow is more important than yours. No. So how do you find that compromise, right? How do you discern? Discernment is a big thing in in why I do what I do, why I'm even in this space to begin with, because I think that this is the biggest, the biggest skill set, the biggest practice that we can do as conscious beings is to practice discernment. And that takes time to be able to discern, okay, this, this serves me, this doesn't. This relationship serves me, this one doesn't. Okay, I was really honest about this. Now, can I listen to the other side and stop othering and be able to see where we connect, mm-hmm. where we can find that common ground? But look, that's really romantical and I mean, even though I I know that, like I don't do that all the time. You know, like both of us have been in really long-term relationships and we know how that plays out sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. So
1: yeah, sometimes your energy doesn't, Want to be there with that? Because you're like, dude, <laughs> this that's a is a
2: very articulate way of. No, sometimes
1: <laughs> my energy doesn't want to be there with that. That's pretty much.
2: That's pretty much the quote of the century.
1: because really it's good. just fucking true. Sometimes you're like, you walk in, you're like, yep, <laughs> you're like, nope,
2: you're like, yeah, no, let's not chill today. Let's yeah. just
1: fucking chill,
2: and that's good. But that's discernment right there. Yes, that's you knowing, okay tuning in Krista does not have the bandwidth for this right now for this
1: and the compromise will happen but it's you know there's I've thought about this in relationship it's like there's peace in relationship and then there's true peace Mm. where it's like you can co-live with someone and you guys can be in surface level peace where it's like you're not fighting you get along blah 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 but there's a yearning in your heart for deeper intimacy or desire or truth that's actually not true peace because true peace is like for that deep part of you within that's like oh, there's, everything has been expressed, everything has been fulfilled and who knows if that's possible in life. But I feel like I have always put all of my energy into all of my other relationships and not a lot of energy actually into my intimate relationship. Yeah. Because I didn't know how much work it had to be. I think I saw my parents working at their relationship but it was in their own way as much as they could. But I didn't understand that it was like, if I want it to be the most fulfilling thing and the most important thing, it needs to be maybe the most, it needs to have the most energy and attention. Mm. And for so long, I was like with business and with friends and all of that. And I'm someone that felt like I needed more of the female relationship validation because that felt like a place for me where I felt... I never felt as secure, like as securely attached with yeah. female relationships. So it was kind of like my male relationships always felt pretty attached. But it's wild. It's really no, wild. I love
2: what you're saying. This is so deep because even as you're saying that, I'm like, the other thing that happens in that romantic relationship, especially if you did— Our parents are from a different era. Yes. So they're not having conscious conversations like you and Justin are. You so know what I'm saying? Like I asked my mom when they got divorced.
1: I'm like, mom, what's one thing you learned after the divorce? She's like, you know, I've never thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yo, okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, That's they come from a different… Yes. I mean, Tori's parents have been together for… 50, it's going to be 50 years. Wow. And you've been with Tori 18 years. Eight, it'll be 19, 19. this April. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So basically my entire… Since I was 20 you know, my entire life. He, I always say he took the best years of my life. But no, I don't want to say took because it depends on the day, right? Because some Facts. days I'm like, oh God, like I am just so obsessed with my boyfriend. He is like the best. He's my best friend. He makes me laugh. He takes care of me. Like man, that man, I love that man. If that man's not on this planet, like I don't want to be here. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just obsessed. And there are times where I'm like, you know what? I'll get over it. It'll take me six months. I'll get 100%. my own apartment. I'm just like, it's done. It's we. It lived its course. So we can be best friends. Like, we can share custody of the dog. When
1: you're in like fantasy world in your head, you're yes. like, I'm going to get that sick apartment on the beach. Yes, like,
2: girl. I'm 100%. telling you. You know, it's so funny. A lot of people, especially in long-term relationships, they don't talk about that. And it's like, I've had so many conversations with people, you know, in that... Have been in a relationship and maybe going through the seven year itch or they're going they've been maybe two, three years, and they're wanting to call it quits. I'm like, let me tell you the secret to a long lasting relationship. It can end at any moment, mm-hmm. so <laughs> mm-hmm. that's the secret. there is no like okay, well, yeah, listening and and doing this and and doing that, and I can give you some tips. It's like have a ritual or or have great communication, be honest, all of those things. But at the end of the day, there really only has to be a will to want to be together. If there's a will on both sides, you'll be fine. You have to have a will to want it to work. Because the minute that somebody's like, out, peace out. I think women do
1: it. And when they do it, it's really hard to get it back.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it is. Because we're like, we don't fucking take no prisoners. You know what I mean? Facts. We're just like, oh, you fucked up. Savage. Yeah. Yes. And we will move on and it'll be, and that's the way it'll be, you know. And guys, it'll take a little while longer, sorry.
0: We'll be back in just a moment, but first we want to share a little bit about the sponsors who support this episode. The other day I pulled one of these out of my pocket and I was with a friend and she's like, what is that? And I was like, oh, this is chocolate. (laughs) She's like, okay, like you just have chocolate in your pocket and I was like, yes. Then I went into my diatribe about FX chocolate and how much I love it and how I bring it with me everywhere so I can have a little treat after every meal and how it is functional, delicious, and like zero sugar. Um So if you haven't tried it, FX chocolate know that Krista and I are absolutely obsessed and we are on the streets just proclaiming our love for it. You're getting a functional dose of high quality supplements in handcrafted chocolate. So they've got this down to a science. It is vegan, zero sugar, keto friendly and gluten free. It is super tasty, 60% cacao. Uh, It really tastes closer to 70%, super pure. So the highest quality functional ingredients, double potency tested for purity. And the chocolate is made from conscientiously traded biodynamic cacao. Um, Let me tell you about some of my favorite, favorite formulas from FX chocolate. Get this. Okay, I take the dream right before bed. It has melatonin and 5-HTP. And y'all, I am dreaming like I've never dreamed before. Okay, I am just like out like a light, comfortable. I get a deep sleep and I really, I get into that REM. Get into that REM. I am rested in the morning. I love it. I also really love the sunshine formula. So this has a dose of vitamin D and K. Vitamin D has been clinically shown to improve moods, bone health, and support a healthy immune system. Add vitamin K and you have a dream team of wellness support. So check out all of their formulas. They're amazing. Go to fxchocolate.com. You're gonna get 20% off with code almost 30. I'm pumped for you. Put them in your pocket. fxchocolate.com. Use the code almost 30. You'll get 20% off. I'm pretty serious about keeping somewhat of a routine when I'm traveling. I'm currently in LA. I'm here for about two weeks with Krista. We're doing all things almost 30. And one of the staples in my morning routine has always been and will continue to be drinking Athletic Green. So, this is the first thing that I put in my belly every single morning. I have my travel packs with me. And this is just really filling the gaps, filling the gaps in nutrients that I need, we need every single day. So, if you don't know, AG by Athletic Greens. This is the category-leading superfood product that brings comprehensive and convenient daily nutrition to everybody. So this is One Scoop, every single day. I mix it in cold water and it dissolves beautifully and it tastes really, really good. I get the question all the time. Does it taste really good? Like, does it taste good? Yes. Yes, it does. I've gotten my mom on it. I've gotten Sean on it. Um, It contains 75 vitamins and minerals and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, greens, superfood blend, and more. And again, this is one scoop in water once a day. I love it. It makes my My digestion runs smoothly. I have more energy. My skin is looking awesome. So I highly recommend. And right now, AG is giving our listeners, get this, a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. This is my favorite thing. I bring them with me everywhere I go. So with your first purchase, if you visit athleticgreens.com slash almost 30 right now, Right now, you will get a year supply of vitamin D, free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. Again, athleticgreens.com slash almost 30.
1: I do feel like when men set their sights on their person, it is fucking all in. That's what I felt like. But actually, if I think about it from the book, Getting the Love You Want, they actually talk a lot about that, where it's like you have until you find your person, married, partner, whatever you're, what you perceive to be your person, you focus your belief of where you're going to get your love and validation and support on your parents. And then you transfer that over to your partner when you get married or in a a deep, intimate relationship. So it's like, maybe the men have transferred that over to the woman. And now when it's gone, it's like, what do you do? Yeah, what do you do? But I feel like for women, it's like, I'm so deeply intimate, with my relationships with women, it's like I feel so supported and seen that I don't feel like men really give themselves the opportunity to really be seen.
2: Yeah, they don't. they, they do don't. Really It's heartbreaking. Don't. Yeah. I mean, think about those relationships where you're getting that fill. Oh yeah you know, I think about it too. I'm like, God, like men really need to have that support system. They re- look, I, who I say that because I feel intuitively that that's the truth. However, guys might say, uh, no, I don't actually need that. Oh my God, Justin would say that. He'd be like, "I don't. Yeah. I
1: don't really need that. <laughs> yeah, and over. I'd be like, he'll be like, well, no one, I don't fight with anyone like I fight with you." I'm like, like you talked to your best friend for three hours and you played like you watched him gamble online. I'm like, "Dude, like what are you talking about?" <laughs> like they literally don't know you.
2: Yeah, literally.
1: Literally, people don't know you. Yeah, but, but that's me projecting too. Well, that little part of me that's like, yo bitch, people don't know you." Yeah. That tr- that capital S self, you know? So I'm like, people don't know you. And it's like, people don't know no. you either. Like what? Who knows anyone? But it's true. it really makes me sad. But it's interesting because men, they have the loyalty where they'll be friends with someone forever. She They're just said like, air quotes. Loyalty, air quotes, where they'll be like super loyal and they'll have the same friends forever. But women are like, mm, done. Yeah. You know, like it's like deep, but then they cut people
2: off. Yeah, what is this, dude? I don't know. Let me tell you, I can't do. I that. I don't play with that anymore. Me neither. Mm-mm. I don't. I don't like to play in in that sandbox at all. I, I'm out. I I I'm traumatized. You know what I mean? I'm yes. like a serial loyalist. Mm. Yeah, you are loyal. Spock. I mean, come you on, are. factual. I'm just like, Facts. this is you're in. You're in. It's like mm-hmm. a blood pact. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like I'm in. I don't care if we agree, disagree, whatever. I'm in. Yes. Like I will go to bat for you. Period. Yes. To me, that's. That's love, you yes. know. Like if I say I love you, I fucking love you, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll go to bat for you. That's the thing. To me, that is the the rawness that is missing in relationships, mm-hmm. you know. But let me tell you, the minute that you decide you want out of the club, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna cut you or anything. But once you're out, you're out. Yeah, you know, and I'm like a grudger a little bit, you know what I mean? Like I, I'm i a little bit and it's hard to admit that because of all of the practices, you know, mm-hmm. but like I'm just being honest and I'm a, like a delayed reaction type of person. Yes. I'm like, oh, fuck, like you broke up with me like that hurt and I could be hurt and then I can be like, oh, you know what? It's to God and 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 the divine wants this to be this Stages way. Stages of grief. Yeah. And then I'm just like pissed. Then mm-hmm. I'm like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. I'm like,
1: what the fuck? Why? You're I'm on your fucking, stories. You're like, I'm fine. Yeah,
2: I'm fine. Like, I'm like, look what you're missing. Yeah, you're like, me and my girlfriends are at. <laughs> I love meeting new people, but I'm a yes. serial monogamous and I've said this before on my podcast. I talk about it pretty openly. I'm not a very good friend when it comes to, if somebody, I'm not a good, I'm not a good friend for somebody that's high maintenance. I feel that. Do you know mm, what I mean? Yes. Especially you, knowing, especially if you've been in in a long-term relationship for a long time, like, I'm not a good—I'm a good, like, we can go deep. I can go in with you. I'm loyal to you. You You have a ride or die. No question. Whenever you want. I'm here. But if it's, like, a person that needs that constant, like, that's unsustainable for me, yo. Like, I can't do it. We, we're not going to be in a good relationship. And it's like dating, right? Like, yes. girlfriends is, like, when you meet new friends, it's like dating. Yes. You you kind of go in and it's like, oh my God, this person, she's amazing. She's so much fun. Oh my God. We like, we just were cutting up, like going deep, talking about all the things and for hours and hours and hours. And then like a week later, some shit goes down and you're just like, mm, hmm, like, I'm done here. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I for a
1: while was like about the the people wanting too much. I was attracting a meshed relationships and I was like damn am I do I get a mesh with people I was trying to think I'm like "Ah, you're a giver I'm a giver and so I was I was attracting a meshed people and I was like oh this doesn't feel good because I would get too I would get too emotionally involved Mm -hmm. where I was like trying to like yeah and I was like oh no more that's why I had to cut out any of those like a meshed type relationships but have you ever had a
2: friendship breakup yes Mm -hmm. yeah and it's hard, man. Yeah. It like, it I know, stars. Dude. you know? I have one
1: person that I've, I need to like do work on the other side with in, but there's one person I was in college with. She was like my best friend in college. We had like an, a friendship breakup of sorts, more like a drifting, but definitely like some things. And damn, I think about all the time. Yeah. It's so weird.
2: Has there been closure and- No.
1: <clears throat> I've thought about that. I'm like, maybe I should write them an email. Yeah. Because I think there's a lot to say.
2: Yeah, I think so. That's the key. I think yeah. is being able to, to say everything fully. I've had I've had three big breakups, in in the last I don't know like fifteen years mm-hmm. or so with girlfriends that it was like years long mm-hmm. relationships, as staples in my life. You know, like every day you're. And what's that? I I read this somewhere. I don't remember who or where, but the whole thing that you can only be close to like five people in your life. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's like, that's the number. It's like, there's really only five people in your orbit Mm -hmm. that are in your text messages, constantly emails. And those are the main people that get your energy, your life force. They they get your attention, you know. It doesn't matter if you've got 20 close friends that you can go deep with, but there's really only like five people in your life, you know. Mm -hmm. So the breakups have happened with one of those five persons over the last 15 years, different people. And, you know, like the first one was kind of one of these friend since high school years. And, you know, you just kind of get to this place where you just don't have anything in common anymore. And you don't, that person still wants to be friends with the old you. Yes. And you're not the old you anymore. Right? Right. So at that point, it's like, okay, this relationship isn't going to go anywhere because that person does not want to grow. They don't want to grow. They want to stay the same. And, and obviously, it's it's a sign for you to move on. The second, it was a little bit more... I, I wanted to, I'll take the blame for this one because I think I just was in a time in my life where I was really discovering what I wanted to do. And they were going through something really difficult. Mm. And then I started to go through like something really difficult. It was like the beginning of like all the fertility stuff. And I just didn't really have the bandwidth for, for it. And, and it just, it kind of just fell like fell apart a little bit. And, and that was, that one still is, is really difficult for me. And There was no real intensity about how it ended. It just kind of, it's one of those things where I feel like I kind of just let it fall away. And I feel a little bit responsible for that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, it was what you said earlier. I didn't want to go into that room. I was like, I'm not, I can't do this, Mm -hmm. you know? Yes. So, and then the third one, it was more of a conscious breakup where there was a conversation had and and it was a little bit more like, okay we want different things like we believe in different things. And unfortunately, we maybe aren't strong enough to try and be in the same place and really hold each other fully as we are. You know, and I talk about that in the book. It's like. So what are their names? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like so, yes, so you guys know, yeah. Instagram handles and, um, no. so we so right. talked about it in the book yeah yeah well not this this was an extra because you wanted to know and I'm going to share whatever you want no in the book I talk about the whole idea of being in a relationship and how being in a relationship is one of the highest forms of spiritual practice because it's our ability to accept somebody for all of who they are so if you're ever having a question whether or not you should break up with somebody or if somebody's not is serving your life or or not serving your life you have to do some inquiry and ask yourself you know does this person accept all of who i am is all of who i am welcome here and if you can say yes then it's like okay then there's work that needs to be done but if there's a part of you that needs to that this person wants you to change or there's a core belief that they want you to shift somehow, then you know that all of you is not welcome. So you know that at that point, that hard conversation needs to happen. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. Yeah, it's it's powerful. And I'm thankful you shared that about the friendships and even being in relationship. But because I've known for me in my relationship with... Lindsay, and then in my relationship with Justin, who are like my most deeply intimate relationships I've ever had. It's like, if you want to see yourself be an intimate relationship, like it's crazy. yeah. And that's when our relationship, my relationship, especially with, I guess both parties shifted when I started to take responsibility for myself, where I'd be like, you know, I'm trying to be with Justin where I'd be like, oh, you know, I am I need you to be more like romantic, take me on dates and all these things that are done. It's like, bitch, when was the last time you did anything romantic? You know, when was the last time I give any of the energy that I wanted to receive? Or when was the last time that I like was fully attuned and like fully vulnerable and yeah. like going first? Mm-hmm. And it's the idea of going first. And, you know, Lindsay and I have really cultivated that in our intimate relationship as friends where it's like, we will say the uncomfortable thing. We will talk about the things that feel sticky or hard or weird. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful for her because she has like such a beautiful way of being in hard conversation. Mm -hmm. And I never was able to really do it like I can now. Because it was just, it when you have an ego about it and when you're like scared and when you feel like you're really right— you could never really get anywhere. And I always felt like I was right. I was like, damn, yeah. I'm always right. Everyone, and I, you know, I think this was modeled in my, seeing my mom and our the way that she operated in our household where it was like, by creating the most chaos and by being the most emotional and by being the loudest and by being the most volatile, you will have everyone shift to your needs. And so that was my patterning. And that sounds dramatic, but it's sort of the archetypes I want to evoke from it. But I would do that where it was like, okay, I'm going to be the loudest. I'm going to cry to get my way. I'm going to be in this way of being so that I don't have to grow and people have to adjust to me. Mm -hmm. You know, and so to really shift that was like one of the most powerful things where I was like, I'm going to take responsibility. And I'm going to go first and I'm going to lean into this. And it's not easy. But again, I was telling you before this, I was like, I will die if I'm not deeply intimate with people that I love.
2: Yeah, you're a deep person. So for you, it's like you need to have that. Yes, You need to have that. Everything else feels fake. Yeah. And and you've been on this path for so long Mm -hmm. that it's like anything outside of that is just, it feels, yeah, vacant. Yes, there's no satisfaction. Yes. It's completely void of any
1: anything. Yes, 100%. When you were talking about the growth and, you know, the friend not wanting to grow, and I have that have had that so much within my family, within a lot of relationships. Yeah. What are your thoughts on, like, growth and sort of the addiction that I feel like we have to growth? Mm. Where there is that addiction to growth, but then there's also— I know exactly what you mean, and I agree that there are people— that if you don't have the value of growth, however that means for you, it will not work. So what are your thoughts on like the balance of not being addicted to growth, but still being growth-minded so that
2: you are evolving in a way that makes yourself proud? I love this. And it's something that I've, I've thought about, actually. It, it has more to do with understanding that everybody evolves at different capacities. Yes. Really understanding. Yeah, true, true. So it, I think it's more of a matter of having empathy and compassion, as opposed to seeing which way is right or which way is wrong or what's too fast or what's too slow or spending enough time. Everybody evolves at different capacities. We need to be able to cultivate both empathy and compassion because empathy is like by itself. It's useless without compassion because empathy. Okay. I feel, I feel what you're feeling. Mm. I feel what you're feeling. Yeah. Like, Oh, I, I feel with you so fucking what? What good is it for me to feel what you're feeling if I don't have a desire for it to get better
1: mm-hmm.
2: for you? Sometimes that's emotional matching for safety. You're, you're matching my energy because it, it helps you feel safe. Right. Yes. So then my desire at that point to actually make a difference in our connection, in our relationship, specifically utilizing the structure of a relationship with what you're saying, because I'm thinking about like people in your life that haven't evolved or, you know, the whole growth thing. So, you know, when you're looking at a situation from that perspective, it's like, I want your... Compassion is me having a desire for your suffering to end. That's compassion, right? So if I have empathy and compassion, then I have the bandwidth to observe or support your evolutional process as long as it may take or as quickly as it may be. Yes. So, so that is really the key there. Going back to what I said, you have to look at these people in your life and say, is all of who they are welcome? Because if you say yes, then you have to just sit there and wait for them to fucking grow as long as it takes. It doesn't matter if it takes two years or 20 or a lifetime if you accept all of who they are. But if you don't and it's conditional, well then that's a different situation entirely. I mean, I have my own prejudices and judgments about what I see happen, especially in our world, where it's like you learn something and all of a sudden now you're selling a mastermind for it. I I mean, we can go there if you want, but I'm just saying. I'm fucking down. (laughs) <laughs> so here's how I feel about this. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble on the Almost 30 podcast. <laughs> That's right, honey. So I have a big issue with people out there learning all of the things in a weekend and then turning around and then selling a $20,000 mastermind teaching the same thing with their like little spin on it, you know? To me is like the whole process of a spiritual practice of any type of practice really is to give it time to integrate. You have to give it time to integrate. Integration is the key. And that shit don't happen in an instant like all some people out there are used to. You're used to instant likes, social, social clicks, and it's like the social currency, right? We're validating ourselves through this social medium of likes and validation where this is what's telling us that, yes, what you're doing is good. So we're living in this fucking fantasy world. And we have so many people out there selling all of these unintegrated lessons, information. And it's a fucking dangerous thing to be doing to people because people are so vulnerable, you know? We are vulnerable. Like we are, because we want to learn. We want to be able to, I'm not saying I wouldn't learn from somebody who's 10 years younger than I am. I'm learning things all the time. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. But I want to know that you integrated the shit that you're teaching, bro. Like, don't come at me and say, oh, I just learned this. And I'm like, no, no, no. Lived mm-hmm. this. You lived this, you know. Yes. This is the difference. And and man, like, look, I went to college for business marketing. So I know that shit's a business. I understand. <laughs> I understand it. But I have a fundamental issue with the way that things are being done right now in this space. So I'm happy to go deeper. If you want to bring people up, we'll start listing people here. (laughs) I don't think of names. No, I don't think of names.
1: I don't think of names or people. I think of the overall energy and I'll see Mm. it often where I'm like, you're now a life coach and you're living at home and you don't have any money in your savings. And you actually aren't living a, a life that's aligned, and it's not like you can't live at home or you can't not have money in your savings. But it's like I'll see so many people where it's like they're doing these things where they want to be teaching other people, and it's kind of like an MLM. Yes, I've realized that. I'm like, it's kind of like an MLM where you're like, all right, your first clients, you do fifteen hundred a month, and then the next process is getting a coach that you pay five thousand, <laughs> and then they tell you to charge ten thousand a month, and yeah, you ma- it's like and you just what? keep going. What? And, and the integration of the work is is everything. Yeah. Because if you are not living, and not that I'm saying we all have to be living exactly how we want all the time. If you are not living in the most alignment, your life will reflect that. Yeah. And if you are not living in the most alignment, your work is actually with yourself. And that's sort of my problem too, is I'm like, damn, you have enough to do at home. I got enough to do right here. I got enough to do. Not that I'm saying I don't want to help people in my life. That's my life is is scheduled or structured around helping people. But it's like there's enough to do for us at home. And I'm not saying you shouldn't ever have coaches or be part of programs. I've been a part of programs that have been really helpful. I've had a coach for for years that's yeah, changed my life. Same. But it's just like and the words. I think that's another thing that's happening in our culture where it's like we are losing sight of what words mean. Yes. So, friend, Facebook starts. We have the word friend introduced where friend is now a virtual thing where you actually don't know someone, but you become friends with them online. And so now our word, the word friend loses a lot of its value. Now we actually don't have a full grasp or understanding what friend is because it's been thrown around so much from a social perspective. And that's the same with masterminds. It's like when you say mastermind, that is actually, it's meaningful to something. Mm -hmm. And now it's become something it's not. And- I did book club this year with Law of One. So Law of One's like my favorite spiritual text. And my friend Aaron Abke and I, we did something called book club. And I was like, I don't want this to be a mastermind. I don't want this to be a masterclass. I want this to be a book club where we're talking about the book and we're learning about the book. And I wanted it to be that like egoless mentality of Mm -hmm. it all because there isn't mastery in six modules that you take for an hour. Yeah, Mastery is like a lifetime.
2: Well, I, I would also say that there is value in those six hours for sure. Yes. but do you feel like there's mastery? I think that there would be mastery if, if in those six hours they learn something that they can apply into their life every day after a long period of time. Yeah. Yes, I do. So the mastery is
1: created applying it.
2: Yeah. Over time,
1: absolutely. Yes.
2: That that's my that's my rub, right? Yes. So so now, how do you feel about this one? This is the one that gets me the relationship coaches or like the people that are fucking selling the relationship yeah. experts and i'm like bro you literally have had five girlfriends in the last 2 months like yeah. and you're you're a relationship expert now like how is that i went somewhere and i won't say and
1: i was at a place where there was all fucking coaches and relationship people and fucking whatever and i was like Y'all are crazy. Like the shit that people people when people open up to me, I'm very easy to open up to, and it's part of my parts. And my, <laughs> it's a good, my I like parts this is part presence. of you, yes. And and it's truthful. I'm actually interested in people. But anyways, and they, the shit that they were saying about their relationships and their drama and how they really exist, I'm like, not that I'm saying you should be perfect, and you don't have to be a you don't have to be healed to be a healer. You don't have to be perfect sure. to be a coach. Sure. But I just was like, wow, there's enough to do at home
2: you know, you gotta, yeah, go, go take your own advice for a while and then come out. And because to me, it's like, I don't know, maybe I'm an asshole, but like, I can fucking spot that shit a mile away, dude. Like, I can see that coming at me. And I'm like, no, like, you need to. And and I was curious about the relationship one, because you've been in a relationship for a long time. Mm. I've been in a relationship for a long time. Like, if I wanted to teach how to master your relationship course, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like I'm yes. sure I could give some people out there some good tips for sure. But at the same time, yes. it's like i I feel still like I'm very much a novice, man yes.
1: It's actually very true because I've had people be like, Kiki, who's a healer that we work with. We've been working with her for years. She's like, "I see you and Justin doing conscious relationship work, and I'm like, mm, I'm good." Again, until I'm like, we have something to teach.
2: Yeah. You know, then I'm not. But to me, it's like that calling then comes from yes. an integrated yes. part of you that has now this desire to teach something that has served you for a long period of time. Yes. So that, that's the yes. difference. That's what I'm saying. It's like there is a difference between an integrated teacher that is masterful. And again, it doesn't matter like your age, your age does not matter. I've, I've had one of my first, well, it wasn't one of my first, like I I did a yoga teacher training in Portland and a little shout out to one of my, one of my young, young students at the time, she was barely 21, I think 20. And this girl, man, she had wisdom like I've never seen before. Mm. I mean, you know when you just meet those people that yes. you're just like, man, like that is a teacher, you know? I don't know that she she's not teaching yoga anymore, but but you know there's just certain people that really have those integrated lessons. And everybody everybody that's listening to this, every single person in the world has an integrated lesson yes that they can teach someone that only you have that is unique to you. And I think that if we can capitalize off of that, like really allow yourself to magnify that part of you, you cannot be all things to all people. I'll be the first one to tell you that. Like, don't try and be jack of all trades. You you know this, right? Running a business. Like we want to do everything because it's like we want things done a certain way. But at the end of the day, you have to ask for help. At some point, you have to have help. That's part of the interconnectedness. But going back to what your mastery is, you have something. There's something in your life, in your lived experience that you are a fucking master at. So do what what Krista's been saying. Go home and do the work. Like Go home and, and spend a little time with that. Excavate that. Do a little work around that. Don't go out there and be like, oh, that's trending. Let me go do that. Let me go then, you know, follow this MLM and do mm-hmm. and pay them. Use my credit card. Spend $5,000 so that now I have to get five more people to spend $5,000 so that the person at the top is really the only person that's making money. And this person now is posting their new Lamborghini all over Instagram because you fucking bought it for them. Mm-hmm. Like, you paid for that shit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's, I think the things for people and their mastery, it's like people overlook what is their gift and mastery often, you know? And so that's where people are like, I don't know what it is. And and that's real. Like, yeah, I understand absolutely. that. And I feel that deeply. And it's often the easiest thing for us. You know, it's often the thing that is the most in flow, the thing that we don't think about because it's our second nature. And this is what my Process has been. How can I have relationships in my life that mirror back for me that gift, that mastery where they're like, this is different. This part of you is different. And then I can recognize it myself. Because you can recognize it in yourself. And that's really beautiful and powerful. For me, I had to have mirrors for relationships and people that were like, there is this part of you that is special. And then I could go back and do the work and sort of pull that apart and make it my own. But it often is the thing that we overlook in ourselves that is our gift and mastery. And, you know, even in Sahara's book, Discover Your Dharma, Dharma, which I love. In it, I loved that she talked about, like, to find your purpose. One of them could be something that was traumatic for you that you really change and turn into yourself. Another thing could be something that you've known your whole life and you feel like you're really attracted to. And then I think there was one more so you have to buy the book, but I felt like the trauma part was interesting because that that applied to me. Where yeah. I was like, "Oh, how can you use your trauma to be your gift?" And then some people just like innately know what their gift is. Yeah, and some people have to figure it out because it's hard.
2: Yeah, and I, I I love that you're saying it in that way, and and what a great resource. Yeah, I think it, it's people often think that they don't have anything to offer. Yes,
1: right? yes, and who told you that you have nothing to offer? Right.
2: You know. Like that's level one. Yes. And I love what you're saying because even as you're describing it, it's almost like uh, I I'm older than you are, but like I used to play Nintendo. Yeah. I was Sega. <laughs> so you were like the next generation. Yes. Next gen. So playing Super Mario is mm-hmm. the only game and or Zelda. Do you play Duck Hunt? Oh yes. Duck oh Hunt my God. Was Duck Hunt. Sick. Stop. Yes. With the little quack. I used quacks to watch. Everywhere.
1: Our babysitter, her husband would be there and we'd be like, play Duck Hunt. We'd like watch him play. How (laughs) cute. How cute. We're like, (laughs) fuck yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But even what you're saying, it's reminding me of like the different levels, right? You go to level one, then you go to level two, then you go to level three. All of a sudden now, because we're in this fast paced society, we think that we need to go from level one to a hundred. Yeah. You know? And it's like sometimes, yeah, it's fun to go from zero to a hundred real quick, like I get it, mm-hmm. it's fun for, but it's not sustainable. That's the thing, right, like we have to be able to know when those moments are right for us and and look i'm I can say this now, like I'm old school, you know i'm I'm all about just being in the classroom, I want to be a mm-hmm. student forever, you know, I want to. I've done the whole thing. I've, I've done over like 2000 hours of trainings and, you know, I've traveled all over. I've taught, I've done all the things I've studied with all the gurus and teachers, you know, that, that are worth learning from. But at the end of the day, like I'm, I'm still a student, you know, I'm just, I'm just navigating the tides just like everybody else. And, and I think it's valuable for us to remember that there are levels and it's okay for us to take our time there. Just because mm-hmm. I'm in level two and you're in level one it doesn't make your experience any less valid. It doesn't make your gift to the world any less valuable. It just means I've had a little bit more experience and that matters. That fucking counts for something. And I think mm-hmm. that that's my big issue is like, bro, like you're not, you don't have the experience yet. Like mm-hmm. give it a give it another year,
0: mm-hmm.
2: give it another year. If you want to be doing this, you you did your course and now you want to do your own MLM. You want to do your own little mastermind. Give it a year, mm-hmm. wait a year. You know what's the rush?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, oh, you want to start fucking make ten times in your growth and make millions of dollars next month. That's cool, but can you wait a year? Mm-hmm. Can you can you just give it some time? Maybe you can just go get a job doing something else, like. Mm-hmm. You know this. It's like you you put your fucking time in. Like yeah, man. I came from a time and age where you had a fucking you had to put your time in. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I did all those jobs. You know, I did all those entry level jobs. I did the assistant jobs for years, for years. You know, when I first started teaching, I was cleaning the studio because I couldn't afford to buy class packages. So I'm doing karma yogi work. You know, you start from the bottom, and it's like. And the bottom isn't like terrible. It mm-hmm. just means do those jobs that teach you humility so that you can go out there and, and speak truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I
1: feel like you explained that beautifully. I'm excited about the book. I'm so grateful. And I know it's been a long process. Yes. For you, can you tell us a little bit about,
2: you know, the book and the process? Yeah. I wanted to just create a guide for people to have, you know, I the avatar in my mind was my 15-year-old little rebellious self mm-hmm. that you can totally relate to. I wondered what would have made a difference in her life? What what would what would she have wanted to know about herself? And so the way that the book is structured, it's it's really a book about spiritual empowerment. It's a book about integration. It's a book about discernment. It's a book about connecting to all of the parts of yourself that allow you to feel that support, Mm. to feel the radical love. You are radically loved. And for people out there who have a hard time with self-love or any sort of healing journey, this book is for that person, you know? So it's part narrative, part prescriptive. There, There are some tools in there. Essentially, by the end of the book, at the end of every chapter, there's in the beginning, it's it's broken up into three parts, mind, body, and spirit. And so the beginning of the book, the first four chapters, there's some writing prompts. So you're really doing that work, right? You're digging in, you're doing some self-inquiry, you're sitting, you're asking yourself these questions like mm-hmm. we were talking about earlier. What was, what have been some of your experiences with, with, You know, feeling secure or your resilience or what helped you you build character. You know, all of these different aspects of yourself that you might not think about every day. Then in the body part, it's a little bit more of an embodiment Mm -hmm. experience. And as I mentioned earlier, I I did grow up in an area that was really chaotic. So you know, there was drive-by shootings and people getting stabbed, and it was just really chaotic. And so I spent the majority, like the first 15 years of my life, being Disembodied and not being in my body, not understanding what my body was, that I even had a body. And so that part of the book is really going into that journey and learning different ways of of embodiment. I talk about my journey into yoga and why that was so pivotal for me in that time because it was my, I didn't do yoga asana. So I didn't start doing the movements first. I first learned about yoga as a philosophy before I even went into like a yoga studio. And, you know, that process was really interesting for me because I'd never felt my body before. Like I'd never tuned in and been like, oh, I'm in this thing. So unfortunately, there's a lot of people that are in that experience even now. Then the third part of the book is, is spirit. And it it really details my journey into the space of... of expansion, right? The evolutionary process of dealing with change, dealing with impermanence, dealing with relationship and in our role in in our own lives, really. So so yeah, I mean, that that's actually the first time I've described the book. So <laughs> I hope that it sounds intriguing to some of you out there. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm so proud of you. And I know it's
1: been a long journey. And I feel like that's what makes it so beautiful. And I'm so proud of you for putting it out there. And and for being so raw and honest, I cannot wait to read. I can't wait for you to put this out in the world. And I'm just so proud of you. It's such a pleasure to know you. I really love knowing you. It's Thank you. truly amazing. This has been so much fun. We have the book in the show notes for everyone. And we have our show, Radically Loved, in the show notes as well. And then the website and everything like that, including your Instagram. But I love you so much. Thank you for I
2: coming. love you. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you so much, Rosie Acosta. Again, the book is You Are Radically Loved. We love you so, so, so much. Thank you for being in our lives. You can find tons more episodes like (laughs) this just by subscribing to Almost 30 wherever you listen to podcasts. Again, thank you for being a part of our community. You can go to almost30.com to find all our courses and programs, more information about us, more episodes, and even our blog. We're updating our blog about four times a week. And so you can read more and dig into more of the topics that we talk about on the show
0: there. And thank you to our sponsors for this episode. All discount information always lives on our website, almost30.com slash partners. You can also find information in our show notes right here in your podcast app. Thank you all so, so much. We will see you on the next episode.